And over the last few weeks, we've been in this conversation about growth. And we've been talking about growth because we think that summer is really a great time to focus on our growth. For, for some of us, summer kind of slows down a little bit, at least at some point. We, we usually have time to kind of pull away and, and relax and refresh. And it's in those moments that it's really good to evaluate whether or not we are growing in the direction that we want to be growing. Because growth is inevitable. You are growing in something. If you have a healthy, functioning body and mind, it is growing. The question is, what is it growing in? The question is, what is it being fed? And so early on in this conversation, we kind of talked about the importance of the environment that we grow in, the importance of the environment that we grow in. We, we've talked about the importance of growing in empathy and being able to step inside someone else's shoes and see the world from their perspective. And, and last week, we talked about how we talk so often about personal growth. We talk about our own growth when really our growth is never personal. That God desires that we grow so that we can go further in him, so that we can reach more people, so that we can carry the burdens of more people. And no matter what conversation we're in about growth, when we gather together as the church, there's always kind of an, an underlying conversation underneath the conversation. Because really all of our conversations, no matter what the topic is, they, they really come down to this idea of faith. Where are you placing your faith? What do you have faith in? If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, then you know that your faith should really inform every area of your life. But when we talk about faith, often we push the conversation the, the same way we push all conversations, the same way we push our political conversations or our opinions. We kind of tend to push the idea of faith to the extremes. And you may be in this room this morning and you may think, I really don't need faith to live my life. I really don't have a place for faith in my life. I'm having a fine time walking through my life without faith in anything. I don't really need faith at all. But the truth is that everyone in this room has faith. It's just a matter of what that faith is in. What is that faith pointing towards? What is that faith rooted in? Because if you're in this room and you have any relationship with any human being, then you have faith because you have some level of trust in that person. You have some level of trust that that relationship will not be broken. You have some level of trust that, that you can tell them things and they will not then spread those things, that they will be there for you. That trust in a relationship is a form of faith. You, you cannot have a relationship with someone without having some form of trust in them as well. And that's why it's so important that we understand faith, because we can't truly have the relationship with God that we were designed to have if we do not trust him. We cannot truly have the relationship we were designed to have with God if we do not have faith in him. But the truth is that many of us, even that would say we are followers of Jesus, do not live as though we have faith in him. Many of us say that we have faith in Jesus, but we live as though we do not trust him. We live as though we have to take care of ourselves, that we all have faith in something. And it's interesting because the other extreme in the faith conversation is kind of the conversation of more faith, of greater faith, of increasing our faith. And, and our language around a topic matters. 
The way we speak about something uh, informs the way we live it out. It informs the way we walk it out. A few weeks ago, I was going through a car wash and, and I pulled into the car wash and I was just kind of in a hurry. And I said to the lady who was at the counter, I said, I said, uh, is the $9 car wash, the $9 car wash is your cheapest car wash, right? And she said, no, it is not. The $9 car wash is the best value. It's the lowest price. It's the least costly, but it is not cheap. And I said, okay. And she said, see, she said, you don't want to be cheap, do you? And I was like, I want a car wash. <laughs> and she says, see, if you call the $9 car wash cheap, that makes you cheap. If you call the $9 car wash the best value, that makes you smart. And I was like, okay, this lady's like spewing some wisdom while she's ringing up my uh, not cheap car wash. But the way we talk about something actually does matter. The words we use actually do matter. And so often when we talk about faith, we talk about needing to increase our faith, needing to grow our faith, needing more faith. And in a sense, that is true. We do need to increase our faith. We do need more faith. We do need to grow our faith. There are some problems and some obstacles that we face in our lives where more actually is the answer. Like, if you are facing a giant financial obstacle, more money would be helpful. If you are facing an obstacle where you just simply do not have the manpower and the resources and the help to accomplish the job that you have, more people is helpful. There are times where what you actually need is more of something. And there's this moment in scripture where the disciples are instructed that they need more faith. They need more faith. The problem is that sometimes we confuse more and increase our, increasing our faith with having a lot of faith. That, that we have to somehow reach a certain barrier of faith in order to overcome the obstacle that is in front of us. But in this moment when the disciples are told that they need more faith, it's amazing the comparison that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. It says, Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, we sort of picked up in the middle of that story. We, we picked up with Jesus's reply, but Jesus is responding to a situation that to the disciples in that moment felt like a failure. He, he's responding in a moment that felt like they did not come through with what they were supposed to come through with. He was responding to a moment where, where someone was desperate and the disciples fell short. But notice that he says, if you just had the faith of a mustard seed. Now, if you're not aware, a mustard seed is literally one of the smallest seeds that exists. And so in this moment, Jesus says, the reason you did not break through is because you have such little faith. But then in a sense, he says, you just need a little faith. So imagine in this moment how the disciples must have felt for Jesus to say, the reason that you did not do this is because you have such little faith. You need bigger faith. You need larger faith. You need faith the size of a mustard seed. This must have been a moment of confusion for the disciples because in this moment, Jesus says to face this mountain, you need the faith the size of a mustard seed. And I 
I want to talk to someone today who has little to no faith about their current situation. I want to talk to someone today who just has a little bit of faith because I want to encourage you that God is the God of just a little bit of faith. That just a little bit of faith goes a long way. I want to talk to someone this morning who's overwhelmed, who's exhausted, who's exasperated, who's at their wits end and willing to try anything. Because this is the kind of situation that Jesus stepped into and said, you need the faith of a mustard seed. See, in this moment, Jesus was stepping into a moment where someone was exhausted, someone was desperate, someone was needing a miracle, and he spoke into that moment. It felt like a moment of failure, but can I tell you that God can use what seems like a moment or a season of failure to teach you how to grow your faith. That in this moment that seemed like a failure, in this moment that seemed like they came up short, God teaches them not about failure, but about faith. Uh, There was a season in our lives uh, several years back when we had only been married about two years. And when you're newly married, often money is tight. Resources are tight. You're kind of just getting yourself established. And I unexpectedly lost my job. And in this moment, we didn't really know what we were going to do next. We didn't know what steps we were going to take. And we knew that we had a very limited amount of time before we had to make a decision, before we weren't going to be able to pay bills that needed to be paid. And, and all of this was kind of pressing on us. And, and, and on top of that, we had been in a season where we had hoped and we had wished and we had tried to get pregnant and it just didn't seem to be happening. And we were kind of depressed about that. And it just seemed like nothing was really going our way. And then luckily, Luckily, though, the week that I found out that I lost my job, we also found out that Kristen was pregnant. And have you ever been in a season where good news doesn't feel as good as it should? Because that was good news. We were exciting. It was something that we had been hoping and praying for. But in that moment, the timing almost seemed comical. Like, now that you don't have the resources, I'm going to give you what you've been wanting. Now that you feel like this would be the worst time, I'm going to go ahead and give you what you've been praying for. See, sometimes it's in these seasons of being pressed, it's in these seasons of not knowing how God could possibly come through that God reminds us that he always comes through. And this story that Jesus speaks into concerning the faith, the size of the mustard seed is, is told in several different gospels. And so we're going to pick up the beginning of the story in Mark chapter nine, beginning in verse 14. And Jesus and some of the disciples have just come from this amazing encounter with the presence of God. And he's coming down from a mountain and he's stepping into a crowd. There was always a crowd waiting for Jesus. And, and Jesus always had compassion on these crowds, and he saw these, this crowd, and he heard some commotion, and it says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. 
Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water or to ki- and tried to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was, was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he must be dead. I love in this moment that, that Jesus hears that there's this boy that has this desperate need, that this father has, has gone to the disciples and, and tried to get them to relieve this boy's suffering, and they could not do it. And in that moment, Jesus' first question to the father is, how long has he been like this? How long have you been dealing with this issue? How long have you suffered in this situation? And the dad says it's, it's since his childhood. And I think about as a father that having a child who suffered from these convulsions, from these seizures, from, from not being able to see, not being able to hear, that there were probably these moments where as a child, they were able to hold this child. They were able to console this child. They were able to whisper to this child, you're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it only to then find out as he grew that he could not hear them that he was actually deaf as well. Have you ever had a problem that seemed to have problems? The problem started out as one problem, but then it, it became layers and layers of problems. See, it was almost as if as this boy grew, the problems grew with him. The struggles grew with him. See, it was the boy's problem, but it became the family's problem. It's the dad that traveled this distance to get to Jesus. It's the dad that, that is begging on his child's behalf. And, and I don't know about you, but, but so often we have these issues where, where one person in the family tends to make the entire family suffer. That one person's problem in the family is, is carried by the entire family. And that is the weight that this father is carrying. It says that, that this boy's problem often caused him to stumble into the water often caused him to stumble into the fire. And I just wonder if there's anyone here who has a, a problem that often causes them to stumble. I wonder if there's anyone here who has an underlying struggle that tends to find them falling into other things that they should not be falling into. That it seems like it's one thing, but, but it makes us stumble into other things because that is the problem that this young boy is facing. And notice that the Bible says that when Jesus says, bring the boy to me, that as soon as the spirit sees Jesus, it begins to convulse. It begins to, to shake the child. It begins to move on the child. And don't be surprised when you finally decide to bring your issues to Jesus if those issues tend to rear up worse than they ever have before. 
Because in those moments, freedom is coming. In those moments, deliverance is coming. And when you make the decision to submit your issues to Jesus, the one who can actually do something about them, so often they will fight to hold on to control. So often they will fight to hold on to the handle that they have in your life. This has pressed every area of their lives. This has pressed their family. It has pressed their finances. It has pressed their relationships. And finally, this dad says to Jesus, if you can do anything, and I love Jesus' answer because Jesus is like, if I can do anything, it's almost like, do you know the reputation that I have? Because what's interesting is he obviously does know the reputation of Jesus or he would not have brought him to Jesus. If he did not believe that Jesus could actually heal his child, he would not have brought him to Jesus. And quickly, it's like the dad like straightens up and he's like, no, 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 I believe, I believe, I believe. But help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. See, it is possible to believe and still hold some unbelief that you have to submit to Jesus. It is possible to believe and still have that tinge of doubt that you have to submit to Jesus. See, what I love about this dad is that it's actually that little bit of unbelief that informed his faith. If he fully believed that Jesus could heal him, if he fully believed that Jesus could heal him, then he wouldn't need as much faith as if he wasn't quite sure. Because even in his uncertainty, he stepped towards Jesus. He stepped into faith and said, I believe, but I also need you to help me to my unbelief. That I also need you to help my unbelief. See, so often what we don't realize is that we actually need something from Jesus to help us trust Jesus that he is the ultimate source of our faith, that he is the one who gives us the faith we need for a given situation. And often we think that we have to work up our faith, that we have to get our faith to a certain level, but when what we really need to do is to come to Jesus and say, listen, I believe, but you know about my unbelief. You know the areas where I don't fully trust. You know the areas where I'm still holding tightly and help me in those areas of unbelief. And I love that once Jesus moves in this child's life, in verse 26, it says, everyone looked at the child and said, he's dead. That that in this moment, Jesus has worked a miracle, but before it looks like life, it looks like death. Before it's a new beginning, it looks like an end. And I just believe that there are some in here this morning who feel like what they see is an ending, who feel like what they see is a death. But what you need to know is that so often it's in those moments that God reaches out his hand and works a miracle and brings new life and brings a new beginning, just like he did in the moment that he reached out to this child. See, Jesus did in this moment what his disciples could not do. His followers tried. And what I love about the disciples in this moment is they had the best of intentions. They had the right idea. They wanted to see the boy freed. They wanted to see him free. They had the right compassion and they did the right thing. Have you ever had the right feeling and done the right thing and still not gotten the outcome you had hoped for? Because that is the moment that the disciples are in. That they have actually, they have actually failed in the physical because they did not have the spiritual capital they needed to break through in that situation. And so what they do in this moment 
is what allows them to grow in failure. See, we can grow in failure if we examine that failure. See, if we, if we fail and move on, we don't learn from that failure. But when we examine our failure, we grow in that failure. Notice in Matthew 17, verses 19 and 20, it says that when they got alone with Jesus, it says, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. See, what we need to first do if we're going to grow our faith in our failure is we need to get alone with Jesus in our failure. Notice that the disciples waited for a moment where where they could have a conversation with Jesus and they examined the failure that they had. They got alone with him. And what I love about this moment is that he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. And this is consistent with the answer that he gave to the father who said, if you can do anything. Because in that moment, I would have expected Jesus to say, if I can do anything, I'm Jesus. Do you know my track record? Do you know my resume? But Jesus' response to the father is not, I can do anything. Jesus' response to the father is, is, anything is possible for the one who believes. For the one who believes. And that is what spurs the response from the father. I do believe, but help my unbelief. See, it's almost as if Jesus says, oh, I can do anything, but if you will believe with me, then it will happen. If you will join your faith with my ability, then it will happen. Anything is possible for the one and nothing will be impossible for you. They got alone with Jesus and then they asked why. They asked why we couldn't do it. And he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be moved. See, what I think we have to realize in this moment is that our level of faith does not have to be proportional to the size of the obstacle we are facing. That so often we think if I'm facing a mountain, I need a mountain of faith. If I'm facing a mountain, I need a mountain of faith. And Jesus says, if you're facing a mountain, just a mustard seed of faith can take out that mountain. That all you need is just a little bit of faith. That it's a mustard seed that moves the mountain. And I love the metaphor here because the mountain is what is blocking their view. The mountain is fixed, but the seed still has potential to grow. The seed still has potential to move beyond the level that it's currently at. See, we do need to grow in our faith. We do need to grow in it, but we don't need to work up our faith to the level of our obstacle. And here's why. Because it's not about the level of our faith. It's about the object of our faith. That our faith is not in our ability to work up our faith. Our faith is in Jesus to do what he can do. That anything is possible for the one who believes. That if you can just partner a mustard seed worth of faith with God's ability, that that is when you can move the mountain-sized obstacle in front of you. See, the disciples learned this lesson. They grew in their faith because they were willing to ask why in this moment of failure. The the human mind is actually proven to not function as well in uncertainty. 
that when it doesn't know why, the brain actually does not function as well. It's designed to know why. It's designed to close loops. This is why when we can't get enough information on a given subject, we come to our own conclusions. Have you ever passed a wreck on the interstate and you're like slowly passing by it? You have no idea what happened. You did not see it happen, but your car full of people your car full of little Sherlock Holmes figures out exactly what happened. You're looking at everything. You're going, oh, yeah, I think he rear-ended, and then he rolled over, and then that car came around the side, and you're coming up with, you have no idea what happened, but your mind likes to figure out what happened. Your mind likes to come to conclusions, even if it doesn't have all of the information, and this is why sometimes we come to unhealthy, inappropriate, and incorrect assumptions and conclusions about God. See, what I love about what the disciples did here is they questioned their experience based on God's ability rather than questioning God's ability based on their experience. What they experienced in that moment was failure. What they experienced when they prayed for this child to be healed, they did not experience that healing. And so in that moment, they could have said, well, I guess Jesus is done with the healing thing. I guess Jesus is done with the restoration thing. I guess Jesus is done with the deliverance thing. I guess he's done with the freedom thing. We tried, and it didn't happen. So Jesus must be done with that. But instead, they questioned what they experienced because they knew God's ability. And they said, no, we know that God's ability is to heal. We know that God's ability is to deliver. We know that God's ability is to bring freedom. And so we have to ask why we didn't see what we know God can do. See, so often we base our understanding about what God can do on the experiences we've had in our own lives rather than what we know to be true of him from his word. See, some of you have been, have been praying and believing for something and you have yet to experience the answer you've been waiting for. And so you have come to the conclusion that God no longer does what you're asking him to do. You have come to the conclusion that God no longer brings healing. You have come to the conclusion that God no longer works miracles. You have come to the conclusion that God can't bring freedom and deliverance in your life because you've yet to see it. But can I just invite you this morning to question what you have seen over God's ability? Question what you have experienced rather than questioning God's ability. See, in this moment, they, they got alone with Jesus and they questioned why. And in their failure, Jesus taught them about faith. And for some of you this morning that feel like you're experiencing failure, can I just tell you this morning that God may want to teach you about faith. But the good news in this story is that you do not need faith that is proportional to the mountain that you face. You do not need faith that, that outweighs the obstacle because the object of your faith outweighs the obstacle. The object of your faith, Jesus Christ, can do what you can't do. And anything is possible for the one who believes because of where their belief is rooted. And this morning, some of you may, may be in this place and you would say, I don't even have faith. I don't even have a mustard seed worth of faith. You are actually in really good company because the disciples who followed Jesus for his entire ministry, the disciples who knew him best, Jesus had to say, you need to grow your faith. 
You need to grow your faith. If you just had the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be moved. So whatever obstacle you're facing this morning, whatever mountain you're facing this morning, don't focus on the size of the obstacle. Focus on the size of the object of your faith. That, that God can give you the faith that can grow from the seed of a mustard seed. And, this, and that, that faith can say to that mountain, be moved. Would you bow your heads all across this room with me this morning?